today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Less than two weeks till Christmas, and UPS workers are very, very busy these days with special deliveries. Uh, not from Santa this time. It's uh, from Pfizer and BioNTech. Of course, the first shipments of COVID vaccines have arrived in Canada. Global's Jeff Semple has the details. We have finally a light at the end of the tunnel. Dr. Suman Chakrabarty and other frontline health workers are getting ready to roll up their sleeves. Canada's first 30,000 doses of COVID-19 vaccine were picked up from Pfizer's factory in Belgium on Friday. Traveling first through Germany and then to the United States for processing, they're scheduled to begin arriving at 14 different sites across Canada on Monday. Next week we could be giving it uh, right on uh, Canadian soil, so I'm excited about that. And not a moment too soon, with Canada's case count projected to climb up to 12,000 per day by early January. Jeff Semple, Global News, Toronto. So how do they come up with these numbers and these projections? Well, uh, let's uh, ask our next guest. Paul Mitchell is the CEO for Scarson, is a forecasting and modeling technology company that's working with the University of Toronto's Institute for Pandemics. Uh, Paul, thank you so much for the time. Glad you could join us here today. Thank you very much for having me. The numbers are frightening, and, and we always wonder when we hear these these numbers about uh, the potential number of new cases of COVID-19. Uh, as you mentioned, Canada is uh, projecting about 12,000 new cases a day by early January. Uh, how do you make that determination? What kind of criterion goes into that sort of a calculation? Um, well, I think there are different ways to approach modeling it. Um, the number you've quoted there at 12,000, that's something that I believe you're referencing from uh, public health. Agency of Canada, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think they do their modeling uh, kind of at a top level, looking more at a a national level. Uh, The kind of modeling that we support as a company and collaborate with the Institute for Pandemics on is looking at the public health units themselves. So looking at the 92 of them across the country and and becoming much more local in, in how you evaluate the forecast and then build them up of add them up to create a Canadian forecast. So, um, and in ours, I would say we're not we're not quite in our projections going from the public health units up. We're not quite hitting that twelve thousand in in our forecast. Um, but I think that's because we're adapting to all these dynamic changes. Um, as you saw the lockdown in York and in Windsor that just occurred recently. I will ask you about that because I know among all the other areas, York Region is one of the areas I know that you're, you're working within, and the numbers are rather, I guess, frightening when you look at what's happened there and in Windsor, Essex, of course, over the last little while. Uh, what's what's happening there that's not happening in some of the areas? And, and uh, we need to qualify that, of course, by saying, look, at uh, the numbers are troubling just about everywhere. I mean, Hamilton uh, right now, of course, is on the verge of, of lockdown. They're still in a, a red zone. And uh, London, I believe, has moved into orange right now, too. So, I mean, it's it's troubling everywhere. But but some of these areas, like York, seem to be having more problems than others. Um, well, I think, you know, you, you, you hit a key point there that, um, there's a significant number of uh, health units in Ontario that have kind of followed a very similar path. And in fact, when you overlay their curves, they look extremely similar. It's really just the timing that's altered. So some kind of started into this acceleration cycle earlier than others. Um, as you mentioned, like Windsor has a very disturbing trend, very steep. Um, and I think out of Ontario, I mean, Peel stands out as uh, the one that's definitely got the greatest challenges based on the concentration, like how many cases per 100,000 population. Um, It really stands out. But unfortunately, there are a number that are, you know, kind of 
trending to join the pack, so to say. And uh, and Hamilton is, is, is as you've said, uh, on the cusp. They are unfortunately trending to likely be in a stage one lockdown position. Um, it's hard to say exactly when, but it looks like to our forecasting uh, later in December. How far down do you drill with, with these stats here, Paul, to, to be able to identify, hey, this is exactly where the problem seems to be here? Because uh, obviously this any information is good information when public health agencies are trying to deal with this and try to reverse these numbers. So, And any help you could offer, though, obviously is going to be something that they're going to be very grateful for. Yeah, so we, we focus, uh, again, at that local level, and we look at all the different physical places that people could get an infection. So in their mm-hmm. home, at their workplace, um, at their school, the university, uh, and obviously the community. And uh, the community is one where uh, it's one of the high-risk areas because that's where people have most of their daily contacts. Um, and certainly we're very closely watching those trends uh, across all the regions. And we're able to utilize um, a mobility data. So from companies like Facebook and Google, that are able to measure those trends over time. And so, uh, you know, when public health uh, adds these interventions, then a lot of time what we're doing is looking to see, did it actually result in people being less mobile in the community? Is that helpful? Yeah, it is. It's interesting uh, that you mentioned social media and, and the and the technology that's being used these days. It's it's not just hey, I, I, by the way, Bill, are you staying home this weekend? Oh, sure, I did. Yeah, I always stay home. Well, no, apparently, according to your your GPS and your phone, no, you you know you went to Peterborough. I mean, we can do that. I mean, that information is out there if if we want to try to access that to get, I guess, a clearer picture as to what people are doing or I guess not doing in these situations. Yeah, and obviously. The, the, the data that those companies are managed is, is all aggregated together. So it's, yeah. it's, it's all blinded and it's part of a general pattern. Um, but it's very telling. So, I mean, I'm looking at the stuff on the screen right now. And Hamilton, as an example, um, when you look at uh, the amount of mobility. So, in other words, if you measure what things were like before the pandemic and you consider that zero, um, right now, Hamilton's tracking about 10% below. So in other words, there's about 10% less interactivity with the community than before the pandemic. And unfortunately, looking at it right now, it's fairly flat over the last you know, week or so. And, and at 10% or so, that's, that's below other regions. So other regions have been more successful in kind of having people interact with the community less. Obviously, the public health and and we're tracking is how much does that change now that Hamilton went into the red uh, control category. And, and that information is so useful, for instance, to public health here in, in the Hamilton area uh, to be able to identify exactly where they need to, to gear their energies, I guess, to try to, to curb these numbers and to try to bring them back. Uh, you know, whether it's, it's community spread, whether it's we're socializing too much, when, uh, or as you mentioned, going to different facilities uh, such as that. Uh, this, is, this is really pinpointing exactly where the problems are in each particular area. Yeah. So, I mean, as the data comes in, we produce a forecast and then every few days we, we get the forecast and we're then looking at if it if it's not like quite lining up, we go into this data to figure out, well, essentially, what what did we get wrong? And, you know, you might say, well, we, we thought people would stop going to in the community as much. And so we need to adjust that. Um, but workplaces, again, and the home also play you know equally important roles. So 
All of these things are part of the bigger picture, and that's why public health is looking at broad interactions. Um, and it's a, you know, it's a very challenging. The next three months are going to be extremely challenging. I think that's what government and public health has been communicating, but we can tell you from the modeling that that's, that's very true, that even though the vaccines are coming out, um, it takes a while to do it, and given the amount, the quantity of it, it's, it's not going to have an enormous impact for the next few months. With the, with the data you've got here, though, you can draw a pretty clear picture of, of uh, per, I, not just individual, but communities, uh, human nature in, in situations like this. And, and notwithstanding the fact that we all know about, I hope we all know anyway, about how severe this, this pandemic is and the impact it can have on each other, uh, th- there's always a spike, isn't there, after every long weekend or holiday, etc., when we're told don't socialize, stay within your own group, uh, but we tend to do that anyway. So are you anticipating that that's going to happen over the Christmas slash New Year's break as well? Uh, I mean, definitely, we, we you know, we try to model what we think is going to happen. If we think there's going to be an element of people getting together more than normal, then we put that into the model. Um, you know, I also want to paint a picture that, you know, there are some areas that have, have been very successful in, in, you know, managing the curve. Ottawa has been a very good success story in Ontario uh, and some and regions in other provinces. So it isn't always bad news. There's places that... Um, have been able to kind of keep it under control and some that have been able, able to turn around the trend. Um, but there's definitely, I mean, Durham also is a, a kind of an at-risk health region in, in Ontario for a, a stage one. Um, you, you make an interesting point, though, that, that, that there's not necessarily a sense of inevitability to this, because uh, about five, six weeks ago, I guess, Ottawa was actually one of the danger zones that, uh, that Dr. Williams was talking about and said, look, you got to get your act together. And it, it sounds from the, the, the information you've got here, Paul, that they did just that. Oh, they, they did it in a significant way. Uh, they were trending, um, and we always look at that concentration, so how many cases are there per 100,000? because that makes all of the health regions equal. And they were certainly on one of the worst tracks. And, uh, I mean, it's interesting that Peel, um, Toronto, and Ottawa all went in, followed the same intervention path, but Ottawa got a much stronger response. And, and that's why I want to just reiterate, I mean, a lot of the answers to this are in the public's control. It's not necessarily the public health people. I think they're all asking the same thing of people. Um, but the practical reality is not every region behaves the same way. Yeah, and I, I think there's also this this maybe false sense of security now that, well, the vaccine's on its way, so we can kind of let up a little bit, and, and that's certainly not the message you want to take because the vaccine uh, is still a, a fair distance away for most of us anyway. And uh, now more than ever, as just about every medical officer of health has, has stated, uh, it's it's time for us to adhere to the protocol here and wear the face mask and do the hand sanitizing and, and the social distancing. This is, this is not time to take your foot off the gas pedal, is it? No. I mean... Um... You know, with the vaccines, and I, I, I'm, I'm quoting what was the last uh, reference I had was that Canada was going to get about 6 million doses um, by the end of March, and every person takes two. So when you cut that in half, that's, you know, 1.5 million of them, you know, which is, you know, like uh, 5, 6% of the population. So I think, you know, everybody just needs to step back and say, if all of a sudden 5 or 6% of the population went to Florida... Would that really change the dynamic of everything that's going on? And I think everybody would go, no, that probably doesn't. 
So we need to stay just as vigilant today as we have. In fact, I would argue even more because the, the cases are at the stage where they're having a really significant impact on the hospitals mm-hmm. and the mortality is climbing. So I think now more than ever, people need to get really serious. Um, you know, I, I'm in Hamilton right now. I'm kind of moved in with my elderly parents to help them. Um, you know, I, I worry about them. I don't, you know, they've got enough cha- health challenges that, that I'm not sure they would survive. So, the, you know, the, the risk is real and people need to listen. That's my uh, end advice. Uh, and good advice it is, too. It's great work that you and your company are doing here, Paul. Very, very uh, relevant to uh, to curbing uh, what's going on here in the next uh, little while. And uh, hopefully the numbers are going to start to show that uh, we're starting to finally listen to what these uh, experts are telling us, too. Thanks so much for the time today, Paul. It was very entertaining and very enlightening. All right. It was a pleasure to chat with you. Take care. Paul Mitchell, of course, CEO of uh, Scarson uh, Forecasting and Modeling Technology Company that's working uh, with, uh, well, Hamilton and just about every other jurisdiction to make sure that uh, the numbers are accurate uh, and we can see where the trends are going to happen. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.